about the FIFA World Cup final. Um, you know, we're recording on Monday and uh, absolutely elated. And I think I can speak for Justin also uh, about uh, Argentina winning the World Cup. Uh, unbelievable scenes. I think probably the best game I've ever seen in in in, in a while. Um, the 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 final. Um, but yeah, you know, as I've alluded earlier, I'm with Justin. I'm with Manny. Uh, welcome guys to to the fourth official soccer podcast. Um, Justin, how you seem to be buzzing? I would say your your face looks very uh, uh, shiny from from celebrations. That's right. Yeah, I was I was obviously over the moon. This is the exactly the result I wanted um, going into the World Cup. Obviously, then teams like Morocco showed up, and you know, obviously we wanted them to win. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, Messi getting his World Cup—it's like one of the best possible finishes to a tournament, and possibly one of the best. I mean, I'll just say it, it is the best final I've ever seen by far, and possibly ever in the history of the World Cup like this match that we just watched yesterday between France and Argentina, just how exciting it was, all the drama, um, the stars, they came out, Messi, of course, but also his uh, his PSG teammate Mbappe. We'll talk about all that. And um, I, all I got to say is like, uh, Manny, um, do you think the the World Cup screenwriters, they like kind of like, they, they jumped the shark here. Like this is like a little too cliche when they like, you know, they 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 wrote this whole finale um that that you know they, they maybe they push the boundaries too far and it's unbelievable at this point all i gotta say is congratulations on falling for the greatest example of sports washing in the history of sports you two completely fell into the fifa bait and trap i've been saying it since before we even since the world cup kicked off i said that there was one of two narratives was going to happen. Argentina or Ronaldo was going to make it to the final. And they were going to need, Qatar was going to need, amidst all of the controversies and everything that was happening behind the scenes, I said that there was going to be a spectacle that was needed to make everyone forget about said controversies. And you guys just proved my point. Now, there's a lot of things that we can talk about, about Argentina making it, about them having the easiest road, about all these things. And I'm sure we're going to we're gonna get to it. But it doesn't really matter at the end of the day because nobody's going to remember these things the way that nobody remembers that Argentina and Maradona won a World Cup on a technicality, on a goal that shouldn't have counted with the hand of God. Nobody's going to remember the, any of that stuff, right? What counts is what's happened. Congratulations, Messi. You hook or by crook made it. Congratulations, FIFA. You guys are here. You guys pushed the narrative. I don't even think the writers of the Marvel comic universe, the MCU, could have created a better story and plot line than what we just witnessed on Sunday. All right, well... Today, I think uh, we're going to recap uh, the final. Just, just you know, I would love to really delve into the tactical battle. We saw crazy, crazy decisions being made even in the first half with the substitutions. Um, and then, of course, uh, we love to do this. We'll come up with our first eleven. I'm sure we all will have agreements on certain positions, but I'm sure we'll have probably many different. Uh, opinions um, on 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 other positions too. So uh, that's the agenda for today. But I think let's just dive right in into into the World Cup. I, you know, this is going to be a, a full just 
recap about the final and also just a retro of the World Cup in general. Um, and, and maybe before we even do that, okay, maybe maybe let's just start with the with the retro of the of the final and then we'll go into the World Cup and talk about you know some of the countries that that kind of surprised us like Morocco, like you mentioned, Justin. Um, but I think I mean it's I don't want to restate uh, what happened in the final, but I think I think I mean, first of all we had we, I I don't know what the actual official numbers were, but I think I saw somewhere this was the highest viewed uh, uh, sports game ever. Uh, in the history, um, I mean that's probably because you know we we have a digital uh, we're in a digital age where everything can be streamed, so it makes the numbers look even better. But still, um, my point is, you know, we saw that Argentina were up 2-0 up until what the 78th or 79th minute. Things changed within two minutes, and I mean my jaw dropped. I, I could not believe what I was seeing because I honestly was almost checking out at that point because I was like, oh yeah, they've won it already. Um, and then that, you know, two goals, 2-2, two, two, went into extra time, Argentina went up, and then they equalized again in France, um, and, and then the penalties. So, um, but I think let, let's just start with just the, the obvious thing, which is going back into the first half. Um, I would love, you know, you, you, you both to kind of chime in here, but, um, and let me know if you, if you think differently, but it seemed like France were somehow just like, jaded or dazed in in the first half as if like they were playing i don't know what they thought they were i, I don't think they they realized they were in the final because it seemed like they weren't playing as well and these are the same group of play i don't think there was any change from the last game actually from the semifinals um except maybe rabio and um konati actually i think those were the changes but i don't know what the hell happened there but france looked like a completely different team that didn't Look like they were go- they were playing in the final, and I can't tell if it's just France or if it's just Argentina that were just playing well. Um, a- anyone have have any kind of thoughts about about that first half? I guess we'll start with you, Manny. If you well, I mean, you got to point out context as well. Is um, the French squad had been hit with some type of illness or virus or we still don't even know the details that um that caused them to change their lineups from the semifinal as well and you know i feel like that's something that we have to take into account as well because certain players specifically rabiot who had been you know playing really well during the tournament i had even alluded to him as looking like a prime zidane in his role in the midfield and how he was kind of just uh, pulling the strings for France, um, didn't look himself, you know. And I think also the fact that certain players, I mean, just look completely out of it. And I don't know if that was just a a a mental fatigue, if it was something that um, that again the illness uh, within the camp whatever was going on, we're now seeing reports that there was some, um, let's call it uh, quarrels or arguments within the the, the squad itself. Um, there's a lot of things that have been leaked spe- specifically in the last 24 hours about uh, some hostility within the French squad as well. And I think Justin alluded to it as well, um, you know, before the tournament started. But, you know, 
these are things that are just now coming out to light. And whether we want to accept it or not, I'm pretty sure that it played a factor because these players didn't look like themselves. Um, you know, Teo Hernandez did not look like the best, the world-class left back he, Bory claims he is. Now, keyword Bory claims, because I don't think he's world-class, but he certainly didn't look anything the part um, like he had uh, against England, for example. Yeah, yeah. there was, <clears throat> everyone was very, I mean, like you both said, very lackluster in the French squad in the first half. It was very bizarre. And um, maybe that should be our next conversation topic is how the champs um, respond to that, like with like the weird, like the early substitutions and tactically like the changes that they made. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, so to be clear, Manny, like <laughs> it's not like I had a, I didn't have any insider information. I just, I just knew, I just made the assumption that, there's no way any French national team, especially coming off of a World Cup win, could go back-to-back World Cups without some sort of something going on in the background. Uh, but to their credit, like, you know, they, throughout this entire tournament, like, you know, we have to lend lend them credit. I mean, they made the final, they they did, they made the final back-to-back World Cups playing a very different style also. They, they were very comfortable not having the ball in this World Cup. Um, all the way up until they played Argentina, that is. And they uh, were successful. And Mbappe also, will we, we need to talk a lot about Mbappe. So there, there's there's definitely good to be had here. And uh, despite being so lackluster in the first half, they did come, you know, they they found a way. They they came roaring back in the last 10 minutes of the match. And uh, we'll, we, we need to cover all that as well. So, Bori, what, what did you think of what the champs did with making those substitutions? Like literally like what, like five yeah. minutes before halftime? Yeah, yeah, I thought, uh, I, honestly, I, I, before the 80th minute, when, because even after the substitution was made in the second half, even in the second half, um, it didn't, they didn't, they still didn't look threatening. So I thought that was a mistake. I thought it was an absolute grave mistake. I actually still think it was a great mistake. Um, and, and the reason why I'm saying this is, uh, you know, I've seen, I've seen Giroud play uh, in the last, last year uh, with Milan, and he's a type of player that, Whenever you swing a ball in to the to the 18, expect the unexpected, and that's what I I felt they were missing. Um, although when Turam came in, he really looked good. Uh, he I, I think I think what what Deschamps was really thinking was, you know, we can outrun these guys, we can we can be more physical than they are, and I think that's what he was thinking, which I guess again makes sense, especially from the 79th minutes or whenever that. When Mbappe scored first, um, I, I think it, you could see what he was trying to do. I just feel like you need more technical uh, because, I mean, think about it. 40th minute to the 90th minute, that's about 50 minutes of, of football that anything can happen. If you have a proper number nine there, I think France could have, I think France would have gone through. I can make, I can see the case for removing Dembele. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I think the number nine should have stayed. I think Mbappe should have stayed on the on the right, on the left-hand side. Um, and so I think, again, I mean, hindsight is 2020. Um, it's still, it almost worked out, obviously, because, you know, they, they were tied until the end of the of the extra time. So um, I just can't, I'm just like thinking that, like, 
I think they could have won <laughs> if, if Judo was still there. So, uh, honestly. <clears throat> I mean, so we all three of our club teams have been blessed by stupid, sexy Drew. Right? <laughs> Arsenal, yeah. Chelsea, and now Milan. And like you say, Bori, like that ball gets crossed into the box and he, whether it's with his foot, his heel, his hip, his head. Exactly. Any, he'll do something remarkable. Yeah. Um, but they, like, you know, France just couldn't even yeah that's near true. the box they had like that's zero true. touches in the box period like yeah. i mean it was drew could he was like totally neutralized and he doesn't really provide uh you know a great deal in terms of like pressing and then when you have him plus mbappe um i thought that it looked like argentina was having a lot of joy with messi obviously he he was playing on the right wing because they, they they were playing like a 4-3-3 right like i mean we have a well, we We'll talk we about to, Argentina, yeah. Yeah, we, we have to, yeah, we have to talk about Di Maria and his positioning yeah, yeah. also, I think. But like, you know, Messi basically was he, was he was able to go all the way out onto the right wing on mm-hmm. the same side of the field where Mbappe was. And he was having like, you know, he, he was having just like too much time, too much space. And he was like just like, you know, I felt like Messi was just creating constantly. And like they France like could not exploit the same gaps in Argentina's side with Mbappe. And uh, if you remember, like when France finally did get their first goal, it came off of a dispossession of Messi on that yeah. side. Remember? So mm-hmm. and that was and that was who was that? Who it was a Coleman? It was someone one of the wingers. It was, it was Kingsley Coleman. Yeah, yeah. Who came on as a, as a, one of the substitutes, right? Right. So right. That, that so that that part maybe that part did work, but um, I hear you though about like you know you you are making a huge subtraction, a huge risk by taking Giroud off the field. Uh, in terms of what he provides offensively, right. I also and, oh, I also good. want to call out like the fact that um, we hadn't seen Di Maria at all. We had talked about it as far as you know him not being um, present in the previous games, but it and we all assumed that it was you know just because it was something that tactically uh, wasn't working for the team. Uh, I even mentioned that it seemed like Scaloni didn't even know what his best eleven was, but turns out that in the final it was that he was in 100 percent um that he was carrying some type of like knock or injury um you know and they the way that i gotta give uh, you know scaloni credit as far as attacking uh the weakest links on the french squad which seemed to be the entire right side of the field uh dembele um with his uh i guess positional unawareness of what was going on and then Kunde. you mean defensively or just just for Dembele because um I mean the entire like first I mean the first 20 minutes there's a reason why he got pulled you know before the half and and you could see that literally 90 percent of the attack was coming from that right side um I mean he was the one that caused a soft penalty kick but regardless he was not tracking back. Um, there were plenty of runs that were being made. Uh, Kunde was being drawn out of position to try to cover for Nibele. Um, You know, it was the entire, like, it felt like the, the first quarter of the game was literally just Di Maria doing what he wanted to do on that wing. Um, right. And that was something yeah. that, that I feel, um, I, I feel like I agree with you in the sense that Giroud, should have stayed a little longer. I still don't fully think that he would have made as much of a difference 
in the long haul just because they weren't even you guys mentioned they they weren't even getting the ball to him right like he was right. getting neutralized because Griezmann had to drop because Rabio wasn't you know was getting pulled out of position um he wasn't he didn't look 100% Griezmann had to drop too much leaving an enormous gap in the middle i mean time and time again we saw what was it like the second goal it was completely on a counter um it was what made me mad about that goal was it came from a throw-in from the French side. It came from a throw-in, and it was like one-touch uh, football from Argentina, leaving an enormous gap in space. And there was no way that any of the French defenders could keep up with, you know, Alvarez, even Di Maria. Um, you know, like like I said, like was just they, look, they just looked too fast, too quick for for that defensive line. Now, the one thing that I do want to say is I question the the Champs bringing in, um, uh, what's his name, uh, leaving Konate on the bench, uh, who I sure. thought had done a, a, a good, had done, you know, like uh, played a pretty good match well, in the it was, semifinal. It was but, against, I mean, Morocco has been great, but it was against Morocco. No, but I mean, but Upa Meccano just looked... Yeah, oh, so, I mean, he he put it, his body on the line at the end of the game, though. I, think I, he did. Yeah. But I feel like the first the first goals. OK, the first goal, you, you give it, you know, we'll call it what it is. It was a, you know, it was Di Maria getting by. It was Dembella making a dumb decision, um, you know, just literally stabbing at the ball. Um, but the second goal, Upamecano comes all the way up past the halfway point. I think the only person yeah. he left behind was Veron, who Veron oh. was, not, is what thirty four, thirty five. There's, he's yeah, not, yeah. he's not making those runs anymore. Yeah, yeah, I guess fair point. Um, uh, that second goal for Argentina was, for me, it, it was, I mean, that pass by Messi, I, he was facing his own goal. Yeah, <laughs> that took people out. That's the thing about him. Like, it's hard to to blame in defenders because he just took people out in that in that situation. He took two people out with that pass, um, and, and exposed yeah. the defense. But um, I was going to touch I, on something that you were saying, uh, Benny. But go ahead, uh, Justin. Uh, first of all, just a point of clarification: Veron is only 29 years old, even though sometimes <laughs> he's only 29. It, yeah, he may he may appear at, at times. Uh, to be a bit older, and that might be the mileage catching up with him and the injuries. But uh, yeah, he's 29. Um, I hear what you're saying, though, Manny. Like you know, like in a foot race, he was going to come out the worst of it in that in that situation for sure. And I think I would argue that the worst. You know, we're talking about like the Giroud and Dembele coming off in the first half. Um, the worst substitution by far in my mind was Di Maria, like him coming off in the 60th minute and like Argentina switching to a more defensive posture that early in the game. Like when that happened, I was yeah. like, come on. Like, you know, we, we, we know can, how this plays out. Yeah, they were settling. Yeah, there. we can yeah. We, we can switch to the to penalty, uh, to the to the Argentine real quick, but but I wanted to to talk about the penalty. Uh, you know, I've seen different opinions on, on, on social media. So um I want to get your thoughts. Uh, Manny, like especially for, for you personally, because I, I, I know you, you always have this different uh, opinions with, with especially with this particular team, it, it, it's a penalty, right? I, I mean, there's it's no... Soft. It's a soft it's penalty. It's a soft penalty, okay. But what right, I want right. to say is, I want to I get to the point with the penalties is, 
I don't understand why there was no VAR review for any of the penalties. There's always I, a VAR review. There's always a VAR review. No, no, no. I'm talking about the, 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 the ref on the field making the call. But like, well, yeah, but like if the VAR doesn't recommend, if it's like, yeah, I mean, I think the but, whole point but, of VAR is like, see, here, here's it. That's what that's the thing is like, it should be consistent across the board, right? Like, I felt like as soon as Di Maria went down, he was like, he, he was quick to give it. There was no doubt in his mind whatsoever. Um, and you had to watch the replay a few times to actually see, okay, there is minimal contact. I mean, there were penalties. There were penalties that weren't given for bigger infractions during the tournament, mm-hmm. you know. And 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 there was actually like VAR review on some of those. And yeah. that's what I'm getting at. It is like it just felt like we started off with the, you know the refereeing being decent up until we saw the EPL ref uh, in the <laughs> games that they ref. Like let, let's be honest. Let's be honest. The, like you the there was no complaints about the refs whatsoever um, in the, I feel like in the group stages, right? Like, like it seemed yeah, like the, everything was going part. well, right? Um, even with the added time, like people were like, wow, they're actually giving the time of, you know, of the substitutions, like at the end of the game, the extra time, like they're, they're actually doing it right. But as soon as you saw, what was it? The EPL refs and what uh, started to be the quarterfinals, in the bigger matches, like you started to see slightly declining, more uh, subjective calls being made, and and that was in various games, and I feel like that's where you started to see kind of like this uh, degrading of like the refs in it, like like as far as like like what they were doing, like the actual. Um, refereeing that was going on just seemed to be like one game was um, everybody's playing it, let them play out. And then there were other games where it was like there was no rhythm to the games because everything was a foul, right? And so that's what I'm getting at is like it should have been something that maybe in the stadium they showed the replays or they showed all that stuff. But for us at home, it just seemed like it was immediately like that. that's what it went to. Yeah, I, I commend the ref, if I'm being honest. All three penalties were, pen, in my opinion, were penalties, and he called them quick. Um, it shows that he could see. <laughs> I mean, the handball, I mean, I guess maybe you could say that's obvious, but he was right there and he saw it. It was very, like, I didn't catch the handball other than that, other than that when he blew the whistle. I was like, oh, wait, actually, that may have touched, touched his hand. Um, and then the, the France penalty, which I thought was also the other penalty, uh, the first penalty where I think was it Kolomuani that was brought down or something. Um, I thought that was sort of similar to the Argentina penalty, except more leg <laughs> uh, in the in the France one. But, I, you know, I think all penalties are penalties. But, you know, I just think people are taking this out of proportion and. I've seen this being called in club football, um, maybe not in the EPL. I think the EPL has more, like, you know, leeway on what penalties are. But at least in the Champions League and Serie A, for sure, they will call that, like, like no one's business. Um, but that said, I think let's move on to Argentina's. Um, and I actually have a hot take. Well, no, it's not a hot take. It's 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 something that you've you talked about, Manny, uh, earlier, about how you said how Scaloni wasn't sure or looked like he wasn't sure about his his first level, which 
when you said that it got me thinking at that time i was like i know you said that and it makes sense that it feels like it doesn't know where his first eleven is but i think that was the that was actually one of the be, one of the defining powers one of the strengths of Arjun Sen because you couldn't really pin down you couldn't really def, you couldn't tell what they were going to come up with whether it was a 4-3-3 or 4-4-2 or who's going to play left wing who's going to play right wing and I thought the fact that he rotated changed the starting eleven every time I think all all seven games that they played were all different lineups was the best one of the best strengths for Argentina I don't know if you felt that way or or maybe uh Justin if you felt that way but you know when you play the same boy the same team there there are good things about that but there's also bad things people can figure you out and I think that's p- part of what happened to France for example right um they were forced to make those changes in the semi-finals because of of the sicknesses but then they went right back to what they knew in the final um so any thoughts about that but that's how i felt i think that was one strength of of argentina i think they did a very good job game planning before the match for each match they did a very good job of picking the starting 11 and they grew into the tournament right they got better over time as the tournament went on but during each individual match i thought their game planning their substitutions were like honestly like pretty bad I mean, like, remember, they lost their opening match to Saudi Arabia, lest we forget, after they took the lead. Um, they almost blew it against the Netherlands. Remember, they gave they shipped two goals, like, late in the game, and then they almost did the exact same thing against France. So I think they did, a, like, um, what's the coach's name again? Scolari? Scaloni. Scaloni. Scaloni, rather, yeah, yeah. Scaloni, he's very good at, like, preparing the team for the match, but his, like, actual, like, in-game management, I thought was kind of poor. Um, are you saying but, are you saying that he's Southgate? Are you saying that he's Roberto Martinez getting bailed out by the myriad of talent that he has at his disposal? Uh, I know about the, those other two. Those other two haven't won things though. So this is so <laughs> he won. So I mean, like he got a, he got them further than anybody else. He he took this Argentina team over the line along with his, you know one Mr. Uh, Lionel Messi who we definitely haven't talked enough about. But well, that's how I felt at least, Bory, about the about like what you were talking about the game management, yeah, and preparations. I would say one thing though about Scaloni playing McAllister. I mean, this is a dude that we don't even put in our, in our FPL squad at Brighton uh, for 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 the FPL, and this dude, I mean, it, sure, it's seven games of the tournament, you know, 